Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the record fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and Memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at www.gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Com. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selections of vintage football cards and memorabilia, msbsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored in part by BSD Auctions. Check out their website, bsdauctions.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, who is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, yeah. and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. B. Hales from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this <laughs> evening. Yeah, I am enamored with your intro every single show, Captain. I love it. <laughs> Just Joe, love it. it is Good to hear you again, and uh, I'm going to lead off with, uh, we're going to be slightly off the uh, topic that we're going to talk about initially, but there was a big auction that just ended with BST Auctions, and yes, I understand uh, you, you won a couple of nice items. Any any uh, hints I, on those? or? <laughs> I did. I, uh, you know, yeah, thank you. I was, I was going to bring this up a little bit too, because I was kind of excited. There's a, I don't know, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I am, uh, I have a, you know, have, have one of those pipe dreams that I'm going to collect every program and every ticket stub from every game Red Grange ever played. <laughs> You've mentioned that, I know in the past. that I know. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that seems very far away. And I have a spreadsheet and, uh, you know, where the game was played. And, you know, and every once in a while I'll find a different game and throw it up there. I mean, I'm not even close right now. I'm, I'm in his college days, you know, before there was barnstorming. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty easy to define. But, you know, there, there's all the barnstorming and the professionals, especially when he was with the Yankees. It's hard to track some of that. And, uh mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of fun. And uh, I picked up three programs in the BSD auctions that ended on Sunday. And, uh, you know, and I was just I was just happy to get them. It's just, you know, every time you pick up a couple of them, it's kind of fun. And all three were from his Yankees days, you know, when I, when you know, when he started the New York Yankees with, you know, Cash and Kerry Pyle, old CC. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. one of them, I think, is the first ever game by the New York Yankees. Uh, you know, the homework I was going to say – I was, yeah. I was going to say, that program, from what I've looked at and what I've, I try to do a little quick research on it, I do believe that is the first program ever in their history. Yeah. And uh, if if yeah. so, 
If so, that has just uh, skyrocketed, in my opinion, the importance of that program to your collection, because uh, that is rare and rare as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, Captain. So, I mean, there were there were two websites that I kind of go to to you know get lists of games, and neither of those two had that game even on the uh, had game it's September nineteenth, nineteen twenty six, uh, and right, right. the two websites I like going right. to had September twentieth, nineteen ninety six as the first New York Yankees game. So there were two websites that didn't have the game listed, and it was one day before the previously thought of first game ever. So. Yeah, I was I was excited to get it. It's just it's fun, you know. Uh, I, it's been it's been four or five years since I've discovered a brand new, unique to the hobby Steve Largent card, you know, or a rare back or something like that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you kind of go through the motions when you're checking eBay and stuff like that for Steve Largent, you know, because you just you've seen it all. Uh, right. You know, right. So it's it, it, it's fun to discover these programs, and you know, I, I just I like it. The um. What, Again, what, is, we've talked, what we've do you talked, think the value we've is? About this. If, I, if I ever complete... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. No, I was going to say, uh, if if you look at... And we've talked about this on the show several times already, that the historical significance of some of these old programs, which are, to me, more rare yeah. than anything else. I mean, how many actually survived uh, 19, from 1926, almost uh, 100 years? I mean, it's incredible. That's a, yeah. To me, they're incredible yeah. pieces of history. Well, and one but, of the things I track is uh, the attendance to a game. I mean, if you know, if nineteen thousand people went to a game, uh, then you know, odds are, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. Versus, you know, like one of the number one tickets I have is uh, his last game in college ever played versus Ohio. I mean, I probably right, have right. You know, 13 of those ticket stubs, and it's kind of fun to look at all the seats and where people were sitting. I, I have two ticket stubs from that game that were side-by-side side from each other. You know, so obviously they went mm-hmm. as, a, as a couple because I bought it, you know, together. But, you know, I've got another one where, you know, you know, the guy was two rows and one seat over from another ticket stub I have, and it's just kind of fun, you know, to, to think about oh, that. Definitely. But, you know, 60,000 oh. people attended that game, so tickets are pretty easy if – 19,000 people attend the game, it's, you know, just a lot rarer. So it's kind of fun, you know. Right, right. I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an incredible collection you're developing there. But we're going to get back a little on track of what we decided we were going to yeah, talk, yeah. About, talk about tonight. And that's the uh, very historical 1955 Tops All-American set, a 100-card set. I finished that set probably in the uh, early 90s. I obviously needed the classic card, which was the Four Horsemen. And, again, because of uh, condition not being overly a big concern to me, I got a lesser grade one to finish the set. But I always liked the set. That's one of the three favorite sets that I have there. Give me some feedback on on your set. I know you like that set, and I know we've talked about it, uh, you know, We've talked about it together, but let's fill in our audience yeah. on it. Absolutely. Uh, 55 Tops All-American. It, uh, you know, I, it was on the, uh, you know, it was as Tops was trying to ace out Bowman, you know, and, and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, usurp them from their control on the sports card. I mean, you know, so there's, you know, there's no Tops from, I mean, when, you know, what is the last? So, yeah, Tops trying to get in. Yeah. Magic, yeah. So Bowman had all the licensing, you know, for the NFL. So, you know, Topps uh, did a college and, uh, you know, and kind of, you know, previous history series. So if you notice, I mean, you know, it's pretty easy to notice. And, you know, most of the players are, you know, retired, uh, you know, college days, four horsemen. Obviously no one's got, you know, license on that. I mean, you know, so that was Topps attempting to just steal market share from Bowman. And, uh, right, right. you know, they, they just, they knew, they knew Bowman was in financial trouble. You know, more and more cards started going into the nickel pack for Bowman, you know, in 1955 mm-hmm. and tops rushed to get this to market and, uh, it worked. There's no 1956 Bowman set. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, so tops took a hit on this set and it, and it knocked Bowman out of business. And then in 1956, there's one set and it's tops. So, uh, 
kind of like that, you know, that aspect of it. But as, as far as, you know, the historical significance of it, you know, it's kind of a shame that, like, Don Hudson's rookie card is in there because, you know, Don right, Hudson should right. have a chickle card, you know. Right. So, I mean, right. Right. I don't know if I'd call it historically significant, but it's significant in that manner. Of it, it, it got tops into the industry and tops dominated for what the next, you know, forty years, all the way up to nineteen eighty nine probably. Right, right. So well, again, don't forget. I would say the, it's significant in, 60s, in that manner. In sixties, you still had you still had to, to deal with Flair and you had to deal with Philadelphia, but it was basically a, an accepted yes. accepted practice one league versus the other league type of situation. But back in the fifties. You're correct. I mean, it was basically putting Bowman out of business for the for football cards, and I never printed another card, never card set after that. What I always found interesting historically is if you look at the '55 Bowman set and you look at the '55 All American set, the '55 All American set with the color pictures it was just so much more of an attractive set than the '55 Bowman set, which to me really yeah. looked just like the '54 Bowman set. It was literally the same with yeah. the minor variations there, you know. So yeah. it, it was it wasn't really a lot of creativity placed into it, and because of it, I, I think that's why Tops really took off with their '55 All American set. I can only imagine being a kid and choosing between the two the two packs uh, that were for sale at the candy shop there. You know, do I want to spend a nickel <laughs> totally. on? Spend the nickel on the All Americans, or do I want to spend the nickel on the on the Bowman's type of situation? So it's it's very interesting. And, to, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't didn't didn't fifty five didn't Bowman start out with like five cards in their pack, and and then when uh, when the All American set came out, they switched to seven cards in the pack to try and compete with tops. Yeah, you know, I, I believe something like I, that. I've heard it. Yeah, I believe something like that. I I would have to go through my notes to to review that, but there was something like that just to give give the kids an extra couple cards and and give them the incentive to want to buy the uh, buy the packs and try to make Absolutely. make the sets together. It's just it's just amazing. Yeah. And again, I I I look at I look at in fifty one the Tops Magic set. Um. Being a college set, being a small card set, trying to compete with Bowman because Bowman's cards were small, but at the same time, having to scratch off all those backs so you could get the information you wanted on the back of the card <laughs> was, again, a, another unique process that they attempted to get marketing, you know, to get, get sales for from a marketing perspective. Yeah. Did it work? I, I really don't know because they didn't come around with anything for another three years or four years. So uh, it's it's an interesting yeah. comparison to look at it. I still believe you can you can put together a fifty five All American set, whether graded or raw, for a reasonable price. Uh, you know, and again, if you want if Without you want a, a raw set, raw set in lesser condition, I mean, it's very doable. It's not a not that big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, I I again look back in the late eighties, early nineties, trying to collect that set. I could I could never find them. And I, perchance, happened uh-huh. to find on a uh, a big lot of them, excuse me, about 30 or 40 cards, and I um, I, I hit a jackpot, and I uh, got almost a third of the set there. And then it was pretty easy up to the huh. four horsemen, and, and that was it. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Interesting gonna, set, to say the yeah, least. Yeah, you're going to pay, uh, prob- and I put the set together in PSA 8 uh, and 9. And you're going to pay fifty dollars or less for seventy percent of the set in PSA eight. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know, hundred cards. So let's say seventy of them you can pick up for fifty bucks each. There's thirty five hundred. And then you then you start getting into the weird ones. You know, like you mentioned, the Four Horsemen, Red Grange, yep. Jim yep. Thorpe, Don yep. Hudson. Uh, you know, yep. there's a whole bunch of Hall of Famers in there. But even in PSA eight. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd gander to say the most expensive card in there is probably either the Four Horsemen or the Don Hudson. And in PSA, right, you right. can still pick them up for, you know, $800, uh, which is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the That's 1955 so cool. set is the – yes. 
1955 Topps All-American set is the number one most collected set on the PSA registry for football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. And, and you know, not even a not even a close second, and it always has been. Uh, right. I've been uh, sl- slowly. Bob's gonna reach for the reach for the uh, the phone and slap me, but I've been working on a article. You know, what is the most popular, uh, you know, football set? And I was doing you know data on you know who collected what set a long time ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and and it's always been the top fifty-five All-American. Uh, right. You know, right. and. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. it's kind of interesting. So it's definitely one of the most popular sets, you know, historically significant. Yeah, who knows? You know, I mean, as far as, you know, putting Bowman out of business, yeah, you didn't see Bowman for another, you know, another 50 years after that or more. Right, right. And, uh, but it was an attractive set to collect. I mean, that was the nice part about it. And, uh, and yeah. I think that's what Tops actually used some creativity in it to to get the collectors to buy, you know, get the kids to buy those cards. That's what it really came down to. Truly yeah. amazing, to say yeah. the least. My uh, my final card in the set. Uh, what did you say? Yours was the four horsemen. Yeah, it was the four horsemen. Four horsemen. Man, mine was mine was the Sammy Baugh card, and it was interesting because. Uh, at the same time, I was trying to finish the 1950 Bowman set, and Sammy Baugh in the 1950 Bowman set was my last card. Now, you know, oh, wow. I'm trying to wonder if there's some uh, there's some Sammy Baugh collector out there that's the equivalent of me and Steve Largent, you know, that uh, was out there hoarding up all the Sammy Baugh's because, you quite, know, it's just that hard time finding them. Quite possible. But, well, again, any, any yeah. of our no, listeners out there thinking about a new set to collect, by all means, pursue the fifty-five All-American set. It's it's and affordable and, a, and it's do you, a nice historical set. And do you remember the uh, massive, uh, you know, wax pack and you know wax pack find that happened probably right. six years ago? Right, uh, right, you know, forget right. the guy's name, but his uncle worked for Tops as a salesman, yep, yep. and uh, yep. he brought home cases of this and. Suddenly, you know, a, a PSA nine and fifty-five tops All-American is pretty rare, and suddenly right. there were a bunch of PSA tens hitting the market. And this guy, yep. this guy dropped the mic on on this on this set, and you know, yep. yeah, yeah, kind of amazing. There, there are probably amazing. twenty people on the PSA registries with an all PSA eight nineteen fifty-five set. I mean. It's uh wow. You know, if you wanna if you wanna break the top if you wanna break the top ten, you gotta be putting this thing together in nines you know, nines and uh you know, nines and eights. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. At this time, I'd like to welcome our special guest. He was a Trumbull Connecticut High School all state tackle in nineteen seventy seven and was a unanimous all Ivy League tackle in nineteen eighty one. He played on three Ivy League championships with Yale from 1979 to 1981. He was featured in the spring issue of Gridiron Greats magazine with a tribute on his playing days with Yale's legendary coach, Carm Koza. I'd like to welcome to the show this evening, Mr. Serge Mahaley. Serge, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Bob, and good to uh, be here. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. <laughs> I got a lot of great uh, comments on the article in the spring issue of Gridiron Greats magazine. And I'm going to lead off by asking you, you were a unanimous All-Ivy League tackle in 1981, and you won three Ivy League championships with Yale from 79, 80, and 81. What mm-hmm. was your initial impression of the difference between high school football and Yale University football? <clears throat> well, uh, Joe, I also want to say hello to you as well. Interesting oh, to listen you, to sir. all these, uh, <laughs> all this uh, information on the cards. Uh, big difference. I mean, uh, one of the things. One of the things. Uh, first one I noticed was the speed that the players played at. Uh, they were just a notch up in speed, quickness. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, how hard they hit. Um, and it's funny. You go out there, and I think that goes to any level of sport. As you you know, move up from middle school, high school, college. You know, get into pros or whatever it is. Obviously, you see the talent expands, but uh, I mean, it was really noticeable. And uh, where I maybe could say, I'm not going to go quite as fast here. I had to go on, on, you know, best I could every single play. 
And if, if it didn't, then, you know, I fell behind, and it's not something I wanted to do. Wow. The, the other, the only, well, another thing, I mean, the coaching staffs were uh, different. My, my Back in high school, I had a really great coach who's uh, in the high school coaches Hall of Fame, uh, Jerry McDougal out of Trumbull. Uh, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed both and both coaches very interesting that they had the great ability to bring good people around them. Uh, Mac brought in coaches like Czechi and uh, Walt Czechi, uh, Jim Prosak, and a bunch of other people. And you had Carm that brought in Seb Spina, Dave Kelly, Buddy Amendola, uh, Larry McElreevy, mm-hmm. uh Coach Rich Pond. I mean, these these are class. People. These are the kind of people. It wasn't just football. I mean, they were all excellent athletes and thoroughly knowledgeable in, in what they were uh, teaching. But they were good people. I mean, they were the kind of guys that you wanted, you could look up to as a, as you know, a, an, an uncle to a great degree. And uh, you know, they great friendships. And even today, there's you know, a lot, a lot of good memories. The, it's interesting That's because cool. that was one of the time periods where. I would sit in the end zone with a couple of my friends, and you know, unbeknownst to me, I was watching you, seventy nine, eighty, eighty one, and I, I spent many a Saturday <laughs> afternoon at the bowl. And fast forward, how many years later, you know, we ended yeah. up becoming friends, and uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just find, I find in a way great <laughs> irony, and I find, I find in a way, uh, it's an amazing, amazing story. And again, to try to give some background to our listeners, uh, anybody who knows me knows I was brought up on Yale football, uh, 1966-1967, my father and I were rope guards at the Yale Bowl, and those were the days where you had 50,000, oh, wow. 55,000 people going into the bowl on a Saturday afternoon. I still distinctly remember the first game I went with my father, and I can picture him in his white Oxford shirt with a very narrow tie on and his top hat, and he basically said to me, you hold on to my hand and don't let go of me whatsoever, and he grab my hand as we're walking from the car to get into the bowl. And I'm, you know, being whatever, about seven years old at the time, I'm, I'm just in awe. I never saw this many people at once in my life. So I'm just looking around. And I, again, remember the gentleman who ran the rope guards. We had to go into a little meeting room. He gave us the instructions. We had to wear these little tags. And he told my father, make sure your son, you know, stays right by your side. And he said, no problem. And then that first game, I still remember, one, one of the, one of the, again, a memory. We had to sit where the rope separated the general admission to the box seats in the bowl at the time. And they, they still did it to a certain degree as the years went on. I still remember two students trying to cross. My father, a man of few words, got up. He pointed his finger and he yelled at the top of his lungs, You! Get away from them. Get back to your seats. Those two guys turned right around and immediately went back to their seats. No questions asked whatsoever. It's it's something it's such a a lasting impression in my mind. I, I, I can I could just I, I see it like it was yesterday. So anyways, I, I was brought up on Yale football and um again I could really appreciate what you're saying about their coaching staff because they've had some great coaches over the years. Uh not so much today, but, you know, back in the glory, your 60s, 70s, 80s there, uh, truly amazing. Yeah, I, I don't think they actually yeah. – I, I totally agree with that. You see, uh, a lot of people <clears> – <throat> well, there's not been enough credit given to Buddy Amendola, too. I mean, he was a great right, – right. I mean, yeah. great defensive coordinator. He, he never lost his cool no matter what happened on the field, but he knew exactly what was going on. It was, and, uh, I mean, he – that I think inspired a lot of the guys on defense. That he had a really cool, but he had a brilliant strategy, which he played pretty much every single game against every every uh, offense. And it came down mm-hmm. to since the the primary goal is to defeat their strength. If you can defeat their strength, they've got nothing left. And that's what we did. And you know, mm-hmm. we drew up all these schemes with uh, the rest of the team, and, and uh, you know. Uh, Dave Kelly was another great guy, a good friend of mine, uh, and they just worked really hard and had great players. And you know, and uh, we we wanted to to perform for him. It was it, it wasn't the kind of thing where you said you know you had to cheer guys on, hey, you know, to motivate them. This this was something you, the players I believe were self motivated because the coaches, to a great extent, is that they they mm-hmm. 
expected them to perform. You know, take a little pride right. in yourself. You know, this is and it's not an arrogant kind of thing. It's just you know, this is a team together. We're we're, we're a family. That's right. a, a lot of what it was. And uh, you know, if I, yep. I think if you get any group of guys together, that's a good feeling. Yeah, sounds like Bob. Sounds like that booming Swick voice is uh, hereditary. Sergey, <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the first thing I think of when I think of yeah, <laughs> the first thing I think of when I think of college uh, <clears throat> coaches is recruiting. I just uh, I live in Oregon, and I just know we you know we you know Chip Kelly used to always complain he hated recruiting. He felt like it was beneath him. Uh, mm-hmm. So I mean, you were you were close with you know you know Coach Coza, you know Carmen, uh, obviously. What what type of coach was he, and what was your most lasting impression of him during your playing playing days? Uh, well, the, number one, I think uh, a lot of great things about Coach. He's he's a very he was a very unique person. He was uh, class. I think the first word you think about him is the word class. Never had to yell at anybody. Right. Never had to really raise their voice. He knew. Uh, what was going on on the field, but he also took took uh, concern about you personally as a person, which I, I think any good coach, mm-hmm. it's a big part of coaching. And if some guy was having a tough time at home or you know in the class or whatever it was, he was right on top of it. And uh, so that, that was a big thing, and I, that incre- uh, increased their loyalty to him and the team because you know if you have somebody like that that's working that hard. You know, he wants to win, but at the same time, he's also sincerely concerned about you. And I mean, you can talk to any of the guys on the team; they can tell you loads of stories of how Carm went out of the way to do something to be there, whatever it was, uh, to help them. And that's 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 a big thing about Carm, big big thing. Um, but football-wise, you know, he he hired good people; they knew what they were doing. He was, to me, a lot of the times he was the uh, uh, General Eisenhower's of his staff. You know, he. Had all yeah. these different people doing things, but he also took part. I mean, uh, it, it was a good, a good experience. I mean, you're talking to about an 18, 20 year old young guy with impressions, and, and I look back now and I see uh, a lot of things, and uh, it's, uh, it was a good time. A good time. I should, uh, I should hope somebody would speak so kindly about me someday. That, well, that's, <laughs> that was really good. Well, I, I have to be careful because if I say anything that's too off color, I'm sure we got a couple of guys that are gonna. Hunt me down over here, but no, Conway's a good guy. <laughs> good guy. No, no sin- sincerely, I thought that was great. I mean, uh, classy. Is uh, you, that was the first thing out of your, you know, first thing you said. That's great. I like it. Sir, well, he, he also like looked at it. I'm sorry. I just want to say, I think a big part was he also looked at it as his, uh, we were his kids, too. He didn't have any sons. He had a couple daughters, but uh, I think we're all his mischievous Sounds weird. No. <laughs> so. Serge, what was it like to play in in the Yale Bowl? Uh, wow, that's that's uh, <laughs> it was incredible. Especially, you know, I played obviously in, in high school teams and uh, went to different places. I mean, we had packed stadiums. We played Wilton my senior year, and it had you know it was uh, homecoming day, and it was a lot of people. But when you go into the Yale Bowl. I mean, the history of Yale, that's one of the big reasons I went there, was the history yeah. of the school. Was just, I, I love history. I'm, I was a history major. I, <clears throat> it's just something I, I really enjoy. But you go there and you see the centuries and centuries of, of football there. But you go in there, my God, when we played uh, Harvard uh, senior year, they had over 75,000 people that we set a record for the number of mm-hmm. uh, fans that day. And we played, you know, had a good game. But, I mean, you go on the field, and the, the, the feeling, to me, it's almost like going back in time. You know, you, yeah, it's, it's 2012, uh, 2018 right now, but 1980, I felt like it was back in 1930 with, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. all the guys running around the field. But it is, you, you have to take your mind off all the noise and all the, you know, hoopla that's going on and just focus. And it was got tremendous uh, – inspiration just being on the field and it's a feeling I, I can never forget and never want to the, what was uh, it like to run out of that tunnel the first time oh it's uh sorry about well, just walking down a tunnel never mind running out of it my god it was, real, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, a rickety 
wooden uh, stairway. Everybody, I was surprised that a lot of us didn't trip on the way down to the field. But you could hear the <laughs> clack of the, yeah. you know, the, the cleats and you know, the, the peeling wall on the inside, and it was it was amazing. It really was. And you go out, and all of a sudden you see the sunshine and people screaming and yelling, and it was quite an experience. It's it's an amazing experience. And again, for our listeners. Uh, you know, I I talk about Yale football. Serge talks about Yale football like it's like it's nothing because we, you know, like I said, I grew up on it. You played there, but anybody experiencing a college game from a historical school, you can go to a Harvard Stadium, you can go to the Yale Bowl. There's nothing like going to the Yale Bowl. I don't care what anybody says, and it, it's kind of sad now because you don't see the attendance like you used to. And it, but again, I remember the glory years. I remember when you played. I remember that '81 uh, Yale Harvard game. It, it, it's truly amazing. And again, there, there's something electrifying going into a stadium uh, where you hear all the screaming, the yelling, the noise, the bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like. It. I, I have never experienced the same feeling at an NFL game like I've experienced going to Yale football. And I've probably yeah. been to at least at least. 50, 60 Yale games in my lifetime, if not more, and uh, wow. it's just it's, it's just something amazing, amazing about it. Yeah, the spark it's, is it's not a time like warp it once was. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I, so I was, I, I got just. A, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say a couple of years ago that they wanted to change the uh, bowl to turf, and to me that was like sacrilege. And uh, I'm I'm a defensive lineman, so I like mud and blood and rain, snow. I don't care what it is. The the messier the play, I love it. Okay, that's football to me, right? It's not the – so the the running backs, they wanted AstroTurf. But I I got irritated. I actually wrote a letter, and I said no. And I don't know if it's from me, but they ended up keeping it, which I think is important. Yeah, yeah. I That's remember you wrote, cool. a, you wrote an article to the New Haven Register about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. I don't know why they would want to convert it like that. But the history well, I, there I think they were trying to expand space. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, Sergio, yeah. obviously Bob and I are, you know, uh, we collect football cards and, you know, football memorabilia. I was talking about programs and ticket subs, you know, prior to the show. Uh do you collect anything, and did you do you did you keep any memorabilia from your playing days? Uh, yeah, I have uh, collected cards and uh, other things in the past, and I you know have have traded away cards. I wish I, I didn't, but uh, um, but what I have kept pretty much are this, the uh, programs for a lot of the, the uh, games. And, uh, you know, some of the things that they gave you. Yeah, I have uh, three of the championship rings. Consecutive. It's only second time oh, in wow. the history of Yale that the uh, Yale football team won three consecutive Ivy League champions championships. Uh, I'll give you a little. We, I had watches, but I'm not quite sure where they are. You know, just the, the little things. But uh, yeah, I, I have that. That's for sure. Those sound like my, my things. Well, yeah, I know they they bring obviously a lot of memories and have had a lot of meaning to my, my son. When he is, his name is Zach, and he played football in college, and he kept saying, "Dad, I, I got to get a ring. I got to get a ring. I got to get a ring." So Zach, you, know, you, you got to graduate college. Never mind the ring, you know. Which he did. He just fine. He's actually a high school football coach right now for Nanawang High School. And, uh, we're very, oh, wow. very, very proud of him. Very proud of him. Yeah, he's got a good. Uh, he's got a good team up there too. It's it's, it's nice to see that that uh, connection at the same time. The other the other thing I got to. Um, I got to. Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. The um, you're, t- you're talking about the rings. Are they still giving out um, a ring? I don't know if, if you know or not. They're still giving a ring out for each year at the end of the season, or only when they win. Do you know? Excuse me. I I, I think I'm not sure. I think it's only if we win a championship. But right. Uh, okay. All right. That's what they, what they gave us. Yeah. Bob, you're, was, you're dead set against I, participation I, trophies. Bob, you're dead set against participation trophies, so that'd be a participation ring. <laughs> if they just gave it out. Yeah, so, you, you uh, can because I, I actually I lost one. Oh, this was what I was going to say. Oh, um, so not, I don't I don't know if if anybody realized, but 
Mrs. Coza sold their house in Orange, Connecticut, and they had a massive tag sale, and I guess some of Karn's stuff was at the tag sale. And I found out about it later on, like a couple weeks later, and uh, they had some sort of auction or tax sale company come in and clean the house out, and they put all mm-hmm. the stuff for sale. And I can only imagine what he had good. left. And, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, hate to, I hate to find out what they sold it for, A and B. I hate to find out where it went to. I haven't really seen anything yeah. on a secondary <laughs> market of his yeah. stuff going yeah. for sale right now. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. And again, I, I I found it two weeks after it was over. I would have been there, camped out the night before, seeing, uh, <laughs> trying to see what was there type of thing. Serge, do you have any uh, story you want to share, particularly about Karm Koza, uh, over your playing years there? Uh, well, I was always uh, trying to figure out what would be the best. There's a lot of stories about Karm, but I know... Uh, He, he, like I said, he was very careful to keep an eye on, on the players. And I think there may have been a course or two where I was kind of struggling with at the time. And he came up to me at the water fountain. He says, hey, Mahilly, you know, uh, you get, keep on your books there because otherwise I don't want to have to take a big guy like you over my knee and spank him. I says, don't worry, coach, I got it. So, <laughs> but, uh, he was, so he was, <laughs> he was a good guy, <laughs> a really good guy. So... Sounds like he just looked no. genuinely cared for the player, like you said. I mean, you know, you know, football's ancillary to the education and taking care of yourself is what I'm is what yep. I'm picking up. Yep. Yeah. He was always very proud. He says, and he would tell us this. You know, it wasn't just something that uh, was for the outside or the public or PR or whatever. He says, you know, we have a high graduation rate here. You know, and uh, he says, I'm very proud of that. You guys are not just not just athletes. You know, you're a lot of you are captains of your football team, but some of you maybe even be presidents of your class. You, know, you all work very hard to be here, and and you know he made us feel good about ourselves. And then if we didn't quite perform, uh, he'd also you know be on top of us. You know he was he was a, a good father, a yeah. father figure. And uh, a lot of the guys, and you know that in sports, it's one of the biggest, most important things about being a coach is uh, to be there for the kid, not just you know with X's and O's. But also in, in life, you know, and uh, it's uh, and I, right. you know, same thing. And I have many memories, and a lot of my buddies, if you ask them, like I said, they'll tell you a lot. Is there a coach or is there a program in college now that you look at and admire and kind of, you know, like okay, that, that's good. Well, yeah, I, I think there's uh, quite a few. Uh, I have. Uh, I think Lou Saban, I mentioned that in, in the article, was good. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big, uh, I like Penn State. I think the coach there is doing a good job. I think you, know, you can go to, you can go to in, anywhere. I mean, you can listen to the, the people and, and how people present themselves. Because I've, I talked to a lot of coaches who were trying to sell something rather than you know, just talk to you. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of good out there, obviously. I think so. And I think he was he was well known for that too. That he he did present himself as being first and foremost professional in all aspects of his life. And number two, he cared about his players. He cared about his team. He cared about Yale football. He was Yale football. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. at the end of his career, end of his career, I never liked what happened because it was, you know, a whole new dawning, a new age, and um, you know he knew things were not that great on the field, but, you know, he had, he had limited, he had a limited uh, roster to work with for lack of a better way of explaining it. And I think yeah, that was the he, time he Yale dropped the division. So they were uh, what they, they went down to two division two and uh, no more scholarships. And uh, it, it, it's a tougher situation there. And I don't well, think they, they also really lost buddy too. They also yeah. lost Buddy yeah. Amendola. He went on to coach uh, his own team. I forget where, but I'm telling you, Buddy was yeah. a he was a big, big part of that. And uh, it's tough to, you know, it's you know, they say he didn't have to change Coca Cola. The, the recipe was pretty good, and you know he loses. <laughs> that's what happened there yeah. too. You know, so. exactly. Uh, can you expand a little? 
Serge, can you expand a little on that uh, sure. story you talked about in the magazine about um, uh, where was it at Maury's in New Haven? <laughs> the, uh, oh boy, that's a, that's no, a that was uh, <laughs> that was a Rudy's. That was Rudy's. Rudy's and, uh, okay. right, right, yes. Right. Okay. And that that was the Yale. I don't know if it is now, but that was the Yale football hangout. And uh, you know, yep. after, after the game, you went there. You had all the wooden, you know, uh, plate, you know, seats and everything, and you'd have a couple beers, talk, and you know. But uh, we, I forget what game it was. After one of the, the championships, and we were all feeling pretty good, you know. And uh, <laughs> we got out of there, and we're walking through the streets, and and uh, you know, like 15, 20 of us are going to. I figure we're going to Yorkside or something, and we we get to that area just outside the parking lot near and around the corner there and all of a sudden this car comes and it drives in and it's runs right by and almost hits Ernie Pinkston and Ernie was a couple of years ahead of me he was a defensive back from from Connecticut and you know he add a little bit of alcohol to a bunch of football players they just won a championship game and some kid comes and does that but the kid got out of the car which you know we didn't do anything we were just walking oh, on the field on the, on the street and the kid gets out of the car, and he starts screaming at everybody. We're going, man, what the heck is what's going on here? But you got these guys are you know, <laughs> the whole football team, and he didn't care. He got out of the car with his buddy, and he got into somebody's face, and all of a sudden the fist started to fly. Oh my God! It was like it was like a you know a John Wayne fighting movie over there. <laughs> everybody fist was flying, everything was going. And and I was looking. I see Kevin Zinger. Now Kevin is a great guy, a good friend of mine. Kevin would have ripped this guy in half, and I, I felt bad. I said, you know, a fight is a fight, but Kevin would kill him. So I go, and I feel bad to this day. I go and put my hands or I put my arm around Kevin to keep him away from everything, and the kid comes up to him and belts him right in the jaw. I go, oh, oh. man. And, and I look, I said, Kevin, I'm sorry. So he just shook his head at me, and then they, they continued to do whatever they did. But all of a sudden, there's like 20, no, 15, 10 cop cars show up, light, light uh, <laughs> sirens flaring everywhere. So I go, oh, my God. He's like, yeah, typically yell football is what we're doing. You know, we're all having a good time. And, uh, so they ended up, wow. or as I know, they arrested a bunch of the guys, the two other ones, and they, you know, put them in for the night, and they got, uh, got released. But it was, you know, the next day, we had all the football players just shaking their head, and they you know, well, I think Carm went and bailed him out, and was like, "Oh, thank God!" Typical kind of thing. Oh, Carm would do it. You know, shake his. You guys, <laughs> I, I love you, but you like, you know, gotta, I'm going to have to spank you after a while. So it was. Uh, uh, it was wow. That, that was you a think, memory. What a memory. You'd think the guy would get out of the car and go, "What the? Hell? Oh, sorry, gentlemen, my bad." <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, his friend. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah. what's even funnier is his friend. His friend, like. Let's go kick some ass. And he gets out of the car, rounds the back of the truck, and is like, whoops, don't know this guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy back in those days. But, uh, yeah. It, it was, was amazing. Nice. Well, you know, I have yeah, to say was... one of the things about Yale. One thing about the Yale football team is we were uh, very rowdy to a great extent. We were all individuals. It went, you know, Carm picked a bunch of players who were very determined strong personalities, but they, they weren't bad guys. They were just, you know, we're the Yale football team and we're going to do the best we could in what we did, but you know, we're not going to run away from a fight either, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. as long as nobody got hurt. Serge, did you ever, did, did you ever, you know, consider going pro or anything? Uh, actually, I, I signed as a free agent in 1982 with the uh, Denver Broncos. I uh, tried out there. I uh, got to meet some really good people. I got Craig uh, Morton and uh, the head coach. Uh, he coached for the uh, Giants for a while. Uh, forget his name all of a sudden. He played on the Dallas Cowboys, Dan Reeves. Uh, so I, I was oh, out there. I tried out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I tried uh, out his defensive. Uh, it was nose tackle. I don't know why it was at nose tackle, but. That's where they put me. That was, you know, usually a defensive tackle. But I got cut a couple weeks later, and well, halfway through the tryouts, and then I tried out later with the uh, USFL, uh, Denver Gold, and uh, it was quite an experience. And then, you know, that was it. So time was over. It's a good experience, though. Huh. 
That was funny because I got in my notes. I got in my notes search why you didn't play professional, and I was saying to myself, you probably would would have been a good fit in the CFL with your size on the on the yeah. defensive yeah. side for that for that game. But uh, I didn't yeah, realize you tried out with the USFL too. I knew I knew the Denver uh, story, but I didn't know the USFL story. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was funny because it, right after I got cut with the Broncos, I got started getting phone calls from these different teams because the, the league was just starting up, and I had a phone call from the New Jersey Generals, and, and then I guess they were figuring out who they were going to take, and depending on the teams and who they cut, you know, we'd go to the mm-hmm. Broncos, we'd go to wherever it was, and I was on the list there. So uh, they flew me out to uh, Pittsburgh, and there was a tryout there, and they were just taking anybody that can find off the street, but they and other play, uh, people in the area that had played or whatever it was. So you had guys wow. that were just playing, you know, backyard ball to guys who had played in college. And then they said, yeah, come out to uh, Denver. We'll try you out there in Arvada. And I went out there and uh, was, uh, I forget, Red Miller, I think, was the coach then at the time. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. It was, it was quite, again, it was quite an experience for a young guy meeting all these people, going all these places. I was just, you know flabbergasted to go through all this. Hey, that, that movie Invincible is based off a story like that. Vince, uh, yeah. what was his last name? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. yeah. He got a football oh, card. Uh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about now. My mind is pointing to his last name. Yeah. But, it starts uh, with a P. It starts, starts with a P. Played with the Eagles. That's, that's, that's an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. thing. I didn't I didn't realize what the USFL, because I know the USFL needed players, and I'm very surprised you didn't get picked up by one of the teams. That's, that's, that's uh, very interesting. You would have had a card in 1984 and 85 if you played. <laughs> in, yeah, and the top You know what the contracts wow. were being offered for linemen? Fifteen, twenty, and $25,000. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a. I still have them someplace. Yeah. Well, they were. That's not so were, good. But, <laughs> no. <laughs> they were. They were playing with uh, with Monopoly money anyway. So, you know, yeah. probably well, the bigger players they, they played. Yeah. Sure. Think, think, think about it, Serge. You could have uh, Donald Trump owned the uh, you know owned the generals. You you yeah. could have uh, you could have been playing for a future president. That's right. right. That would have been something, eh? <laughs> make make uh, USF all great again. There we go. So. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Nice. Unbelievable. What do you do now? What, what do you do now? You, you, I have I have a minor in, in American history in college, too. So, I mean, uh, you know, what what'd you, what'd you end up doing for a career? I, yeah. Well, well I, I uh, taught high school for a while. Uh, went in the inner city and taught. I, uh Worked as a newspaper reporter, uh, managed a couple oh, wow. businesses. I've written a couple books. I'm working on a couple of those. Uh, right now, I'm I'm healing up from uh, some medical things that have happened, but uh, taking some time off to take care of that and then go back and figure out what I want to do. I'd, I like to do more writing. I really enjoy writing. I had a uh, outdoor column in the New Haven Register, which I really enjoyed. Right, right. I'm also a member right. of New, New England uh, Outdoor Writers Association. So maybe something going back into that. Hmm. See what we can do. I think oh. I think you really should because your your outdoor columns were very very interesting to read, and uh, I know a Thank lot you. of people enjoyed reading them. They were, they were yeah. very interesting. They were written by somebody who really appreciates the outdoors too. And, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I hunt fish, and it's like it. exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Serge. We're almost out of time. I'd like to thank you very much for being on the show. It's good talking to you. Uh, just as a side note, Serge has been active politically, locally here in Wallingford over the past several years, and uh, that's how we got to know each other much better. And uh, that's some uh-huh. good conversations over the past few years. So it was, oh, yeah. uh, it was, it was a good uh a good uh, interview too about Carm Cozo also for the for the magazine. I got quite a few compliments from people who read it saying that was that was really nice, a real nice tribute to him. And I'm glad I was able to do a tribute to yeah. somebody who actually played it, yeah. played with him, and and know and knew him. Oh. And that's what it's all about. So that's important. Yeah, he's one of those people you really really appreciate having met. You know, 
So I'm pretty blessed. I got I got to meet him only once. Uh, my wife Brenda got a pass to do photography on the field quite a few years ago. So uh, we did a uh, she did a photo shoot for Yale for them, and uh, I tagged along. And I, I had just started the magazine at the uh, took over the magazine at that time, and uh, I got to meet him once real brief, real quickly. I just uh, shook his hand, and uh, that was it. But uh, it was an interesting experience to say the least. The game is a lot different on the field than from the stands. That's why I tell everybody. Absolutely. And people don't <laughs> people don't realize that, but it is. So. All right, sir. Thank you very much for being on the show, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Good to talk to you guys. Good show. You as well. Thank Take you care. very much. Okay. Bye. All right, Joe. We'll wind it down. The show winds down time. We had a good. Uh, I had a lot of good memories just now. Thinking about my dad. Thinking about the old bowl. Thinking about the good old days going yeah. there in the late seventies, early eighties, where I used to buy the general admission ticket, and I. I hate to say it, but I was one of those people who hopped the rope and went into the preferred seating area if there nobody was sitting there, and I uh, <laughs> I jumped ship there. And then uh, I also your remember dad, the time. Your dad would have yelled at you. <laughs> yeah, my father. I could hear my father yelling in the background, even though even though he wasn't there. And at the same time, I remember one of the last games I went with my father was in the uh, late '80s. We went to a Yale-Princeton game, and I remember it was just so bitterly cold there. I felt so sorry for him, but he was a real trooper, and uh, we sat with a bunch of our friends. We were couples at the time, and my dad was there, and uh, he gave a a nice history of him going to the bowl over the years. When he was in World War II, we'd come home once in a while on leave. Yale allowed uh, any servicemen in uh, uniform to get into the game for nothing, so he used to as he said, hop the trolley down downtown to Yale Bowl, and then he would go watch the game and then uh, go back downtown and get something to eat. And then he would take the train out that Sunday night and go back to the base type of thing before he got shipped overseas. So it was an interesting uh, interesting time of his life, too. But again, well, the rope guard is by far and wide the, the ever, I mean, the, the lasting memory in my mind. And the sad part about it, I had a I had a handful of programs from those days, and I had a handful of the rope guard, um, the hang tags for the rope guards, and I, I don't know where they ended up. I have no clue. So uh, <laughs> I, I got to look out for the uh, 66 and 67 Yale football program season. I've always thought about collecting that and uh, collecting some of the games I, I went to that I yeah, unfortunately, totally. didn't have the money to buy a program at the time. I just got had the money to get the ticket to get in there, and that was up. So it was interesting. You know, you know what's fascinating about this, Captain, is uh, you know, I, I've taken various sales classes through my life, and there was one sales class that kind of stood out where you know they were talking about letting the customer talk. You know, let the customer do the talking, and mm-hmm. uh, the analogy they gave was. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's interviewing Bono on the, you know, on the radio, do you want to hear them tell stories or do you want to hear Bono? It's like, well, Bono, of mm-hmm. course. It's like, well, then treat that like, like you're talking to a customer. Just be quiet and let them do the talking. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've always kind of, you know, you know you'll, you'll hear me say it all the time, I've got the best seat in the house when it comes to this show because, uh, you know, you've lived a lot of this football history. And hearing you tell your story, you know, intertwined with Serge's story, uh, you know, about you and your dad there, that was one of the best parts of this whole show. And uh, it is kind of fun because every, every once in a while I take a step back and I'm just like, you know, you know, you, you are intertwined with football history, you know, Bob. So it, it's fun. I like it. it, it you know, it's, and, and again, as I get older, I appreciate football history more and more and again I'm not looking at the financial value of it too much anymore I'm just looking at the historical value for most of this stuff and again it's, it's something interesting to me and, I, and it's something I've always, I've always tried to pass on in the collecting world 
some guys, they make fun of other guys for what they collect, so on and so forth. Oh, you only collect this. I got this, blah, blah, blah. Everybody, you know, everybody's ego has to be stroked as far as their collection is concerned. And I always look yeah. at it, hey, yeah. if you like collecting that, you know, more power to you. You know, if you wanted to collect, uh, I don't know, let's say um, the most obscure Division three college football program out there and collect every program they ever played in, played a game in, more power to you. I think that, that, that's a great collection. Good on you. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I, I think, like you're saying, as far as the football history part of it is, yeah, it, you know, I, you know, Serge lives football history. I live football history. It, it's it's pretty wild, to say the least. And, and I, another real nice, extra, nice experience I had about the Yale Bowl, and i got to try to summarize this pretty quick. The New York Giants played – at the Yale Bowl while uh, they were rebuilding Yankee Stadium for two seasons. And oh wow! at that time, believe it or not, I got a job with my brother-in-law at the time of being an usher at the bowl. So we got to see the game for nothing. And you're talking about wall-to-wall people. You probably had 75,000, 80,000 people in that bowl. You couldn't move. You couldn't get any more people in the seats the way they were. But I just thought it was the most amazing thing. I got to see the Giants play for nothing. And, you know, <laughs> I, 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 and I didn't buy any programs except one. And I, I would pick up any ticket stubs I found on the ground because for whatever reason I, I wanted oh, no, to have it. And the, 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 if you saw where the bowl is located, it's kind of like a residential area. The parking for the Giant Games were a nightmare. So we would have to sit in the bowl and help them clean it up after the games. And then like an hour and a half after the game, and again, there's no lights at the bowl at the time, would be walking to our car, which was literally two miles away, and driving home. My brother would give me a ride home afterwards, drop me off, and then he would go home. But, uh, you know, that memory pops into my mind also. And I thought, I thought that was one of the coolest things. I think I ushered like three or four games because there was such a, uh, a large group of people wanted to be ushers. They rotated us in and out for games. So uh, <laughs> it, it was really Really amazing, you know. Again, I remember that quite well too. That's all coming back to me. And again, uh, football college on the East Coast. The Giants actually played in New Haven, yeah. so that was big news yeah, in the New Haven Coast Register. And in the South, I mean, college yeah. ball is is so important. I mean, it, it's important here on the West Coast, but you know, to the nth degree of it of its importance, you know, you know, on the East Coast and in the South. I mean, you know, they they live for it. A game, you know, you yep. go to a game in Tennessee or a game in Georgia, you know, versus a game at Oregon, and it's just it's night and day. I mean, I remember going to a, to the BCS championship when we played when Oregon played Auburn, and uh, yep. their band got out there and played, and it was amazing. And then our band got out there and played, and it was like, oh boy, the JV team just showed up. Uh, you know, it was just it was so apparent. You know, we are outnumbered, you know, two to one, you know, in, right, in, in right. fan support. It's just, you know, there's just, it, it's a culture, football, you know. It's amazing. And, and one other quick story, talking about, you know, the South. Uh, Brenda had a boss who graduated from Auburn, big fan of Auburn football. And he says to me, and I'm hopefully this coming season we're going to be able to do it, go down there. Um, he wants me to go to an Auburn-Alabama game which obviously is uh, it probably got to be an incredible experience, to say the least, because of the rivalry between the two teams, so on and so forth. But to me, that's real college football. You know what I mean? It's something you can't, you can't compare to anything. It's just the feeling of being there yeah. and everything. It's just it's truly amazing. Yeah. I got it down to, down to about a minute. I just want to remind everybody we're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Please check out their website at msbsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored by BSC Auctions. Check out their website, bscauctions.com also. Joe, wrapping it up. What would you learn on tonight's show? You learned a lot, I know. Summarize it in 30 seconds. Uh, just, uh, just classy. I love hearing people compliment, you know, be, be complimentary like that because it's just, uh, it's so much easier to be, you know, kind and gracious than it is, you know, the, you know, the other way around. Uh, so, no, it was just, it was good. That was, that was really cool. I didn't know much about Sergi or Coach Carm uh, prior to this. 
Yep. So I always do a little bit of homework, you know, before each guest, and it was just they kind of put a smile on my face to read about Coach Carm. I mean, obviously I read the story yep. in the Gridiron, but you know, there's more to the story when you discover you've got to interview somebody. So uh, that was just it was it was classy. I loved hearing what he said. It was just it was just classy. It was great. You, it was great. Uh, brought back great memories. Uh, I got a little misty-eyed, and uh, I, I'm going to wrap it up here in ten seconds. It was a great show. Joe, we'll be back. We'll be back in May with a few good shows. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you. Take it easy, Captain. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, aka the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.